0: You don't have to do it alone. This isn't your own strength that you're trying to do. It's a faith that knows there's somebody stronger, bigger, greater who lives inside of you. And you trust Him.
1: Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word.
2: Uh, listen, today's going to be a touch different. I just, you know, for the past few weeks, I've just kind of felt in my heart that, that we need to take a certain direction today. And so what's going to happen is I'm just going to simply open up. I'm going to share uh, a quick passage of scripture, and then uh, I've actually asked a, a couple of gals from the church to come and share with us today. And, uh, and I'll just say this, it's, it's uh, going to be Leah, it's going to be Jen, and Miss Vicky, who's uh, been ministering actually in, I believe, South Africa. Am I correct with that? South Africa? Yes, uh, you know I, the door is open if she wants to come and share today. I, you know, she was obviously across the pond, and so I didn't. Um, I didn't want to put a lot of pressure on her. So, anyways, but the door is open in case she wants us today. But uh, let me say this before we read and before these gals come. Um, you know, I've known Leah I think for nineteen years, and I've known Jen for. I've been. We've actually been a couple for seventeen years. And and I will say. And then Miss Vicky, I met Miss Vicky maybe. Oh, about five years ago, six years ago now. And, uh, and these three ladies have uh, challenged me to walk with Jesus in a deeper way. All of them challenged me. I've learned from all of them great things. You know, I'll say this. When I met, when I met Jen... You know, I think I, what I fell in love with first and foremost was their passion for Jesus, and uh, you know, and what these guys are going to talk about today, what um, kind of the direction we're going. Uh, this isn't just words on the page for them; they they live this thing, you know. So this is real; it's from their heart. And um, you know, once again, I'll just say this: you know, um, with that gal right there, she uh, challenges me to be a better. Christian, a better husband, a better father, just a better man. And uh, so anyways, as I know that the other ladies do with their husbands, amen. And so, uh, so anyways, I just encourage you guys to open up your heart today. Amen. I mean, let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for Leah, we thank you for Jen we thank you for miss Vicki Lord we just thank you for the opportunity just to come and just to hear from what you've deposited in their hearts Lord these women have walked with you for years god they've been faithful and uh, God they have sought your face and uh, Lord I believe that today that they've heard from heaven and Lord that they want that uh, what they're going to share today isn't quote-unquote, from them. God, is from you. And so, Lord, today, if it's if we're a man or for a woman in the house today, we open up our hearts wide. And, Lord, we just ask that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Thank you for your anointing and your glory, God touching us. God, is only you can. Amen. Amen. Look, I want to show you a verse here in uh, Mark chapter 7. If you can, look down to verse 24 with me. It says this. It says, From there, he, talking about Jesus, arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And it says, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. I love that. He could not be hidden. It says, for a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. And it says in verse 26, it says the woman was a Greek, a uh, Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. I want you to see basically the love of the mother, a love of a a mother, I can't speak in this passage today. And then it says this, it says in verse 27, it says, but Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. He was talking about Israel, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now watch this lady answer or Lay's response because I believe most of us would have heard heard that and we would have walked out the room offended. Amen. This says in verse 28, it says, And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. In other words, what falls off the table and falls on the floor, even they eat it. Now, I want you to watch how Jesus responded to this kind of odd statement, to be honest with you. And I actually want to uh, go over to Matthew fifteen twenty-eight. You don't have to turn there. But here's what Jesus said. It's different than Mark's account. He said this. He said, O woman, or we can say, Oh, mother, great is your Faith. Can somebody say faith today? Faith. He says, Great is your faith. Here's what I ask uh, these ladies to do today. Just simply ask one thing for us, and I believe we can all receive it today is, is simply this question What are a few of the characteristics of faith? Amen? What are a few of the characteristics of faith? How many of you guys know we all need faith? The Bible says in, in Hebrews eleven six. for without faith it is impossible to please God, right? For anyone who is going to believe in him must come to him, believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen? So Leah's going to come and, um, and share with us, and then we'll just kind of ride the wave and we'll see where it goes.
0: Okay, what is faith? Let's turn to Hebrews 11, one. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. That's what faith is. Faith is belief in something bigger, something greater beyond us. It is a deep down belief that can't be shaken. That's what faith is. Something greater beyond us, something that is way deep inside that can't be shaken. So what does it mean? What does it take to be a person, a woman of faith? What does it mean? Does it mean that they're superheroes? Does it mean that they're never shaken, that they never doubt, that they are always full of hope, that they stand on the knife's edge and they just, with all the uncertainties that come with standing on a knife's edge, they are full of hope and they move forward and nothing phases them. Is that what a person of faith is? Can be, yes. But honestly, to me, it is the person who stands on knife's edge. It is that person. And they're not always full of hope. And they sometimes doubt, and they sometimes don't believe, and sometimes they can't move forward, and they feel stuck. To me, it's the person who recognizes their inabilities, their shortcomings, the things that they're afraid of, and they recognize that, but they don't live in that. They surrender it. And they give it to God. As we prayed this morning, it was awesome this morning, awesome worship. As we prayed this morning, they're shaken in their boots. But they recognize that and they don't get paralyzed by their inability or the fear that surrounds it. They don't allow that to paralyze them. Instead, they surrender it and they persevere in spite of it. And the fear becomes paralyzed. And they Persevere. To me, it is a step-by-step, a characteristic of faith is perseverance. It's a step-by-step, strength-to-strength kind of life. That's what faith is. Psalm 84, 6-7 through seven says, Passing through the Valley of Weeping, or Baca, they make that place of weeping, they make that valley, they make that place a place of springs, The early rain fills the pools with blessing. And they go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. A lot of times we feel like we're going from failure to failure or mess up to mess up or struggle to struggle. And and that's all we see. But the Bible says you pass through this valley, this place where you feel stuck, where you have your inability, where you know you can't do it. And you pass through And you go from strength to strength, step by step, deep inside that you have this belief that's beyond you, that's greater than you, in somebody, in the one. And you go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power every time. So I want to give you a few examples of some women in the Bible who many times these women didn't seem to be great women, a woman of great faith, Uh, Sometimes their own actions didn't show that they were, or their life circumstances, they didn't show much faith. Sarah, Abraham's wife, she was surrounded by disappointments and doubt because everything around her, everything in her seemed dead. And God said, you're going to have a child, and well, I'm 90 years old, everything's dead, and my husband's 100, or 99, there's no way we can do this. So she was surrounded by disappointments and doubt. And she made some choices that were not hearing the way that God wanted to do it. Rebecca, this woman showed favoritism with her boys. Not um, I have three boys and I have a, a daughter. Uh, we have three boys and a daughter. And uh, I know that some of my kids swear that I have a favorite child. Josiah, even, even PQ thinks that Josiah is our favorite child. I do not have a favorite child. (laughs) Uh, But when I read this, I was like, yeah, my kids, it doesn't matter what I say. They think that Josiah is the favored child. He's not. Um, Anyway, she showed favoritism with her boys big time. She, like, openly did it. And she taught her son Jacob how to deceive his brother and how to deceive his father. Leah, in the Bible. This woman faced rejection. She didn't quite make the cut. Jacob did not want her, he wanted her sister Rachel. And I do have a sister Rachel, so I grew up hearing sermons about this, and I did not marry Jacob. (laughs) Uh, I married the man that wanted me. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so she faced rejection. She went through this. Ruth, Ruth was a foreigner, she didn't really fit in with the Israelites. She had married one. She married into it. She had no understanding of God. And she followed her mother-in-law, Naomi, after her husband died, after Naomi's husband died, and her sons died, uh, one of Ruth's husbands. And she was a foreigner. She didn't know God. Rahab. These are women of great faith in the Bible. She was a prostitute in Jericho. And the Israelite spies came in, and she said, I'm going to hide them. She didn't know God. She'd heard about God, and she said, there's something different, so I'm going to hide these spies because of her faith. She had no knowledge of how to work with God, but she did. She didn't know what she was doing at that time. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was an unknown young girl who became an unwed mother. She didn't know how to navigate through that. But when the angel came to her and told her what she did, she worshiped and said, my soul will magnify you, God. Not knowing any of the circumstances, unknown things, reputation on the line. And these women, I don't know if you know the the one thread that they have in common, these women are all moms listed in the lineage of Jesus. God chose these women to display, to become moms to the men that down and down and down and down the line who brought about his glory through his son, Jesus Christ. These women who had inabilities, one of the things they had in common, um, and some of these women actually were listed in Matthew 1 in the lineage of Jesus. You usually don't find women listed in lineage, but some of these are. The one thing they had in common was their inabilities or their unqualifiedness, yet they had perseverance to not quit, to follow, even when Naomi told Ruth, you need to go back, I will follow you, your God will be my God. To worship in the midst of unknown circumstances and to participate with God in spite of their inabilities and their unqualifiedness. That was faith. That was perseverance. Perseverance is a steady persistence in a course of action, a purpose, especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles or discouragement. That's a definition of perseverance. It is not giving up. It's persistent and tenacity, the effort required to do something and keep doing it till the end even if it's hard. That's a characteristic of faith. To keep going. In spite of your inability, in spite of your obstacle, in spite of what just happened, what just happened in the past, what's happening now, what's to come, in spite of all that, that you go and you go and you go step by step, strength to strength. So perseverance comes from the Latin word perseverantia, and it means to abide by something strictly. To abide by this, that no matter what you see, no matter what you hear or feel, something deep inside will not let you quit. You know there's a God who has a plan. You know there's a God who sees the bigger picture, even if you're not sure or even if you don't believe there's a bigger picture. Because you only see through a telescopic lens and God has a panoramic view. And you don't quit. And you trust him to lead you in that perseverance. 2 Thessalonians 3.5 says, May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. You don't have to do it alone. This isn't your own strength that you're trying to do. It's a faith that knows there's somebody stronger, bigger, greater who lives inside of you and you trust him. So last week, uh, Pastor Quinton talked about, I think it was last week, kind of marrying the natural to the spiritual. And kind of, sometimes things that happen, the natural kind of relate to the spiritual, vice versa. And so I wanted to give you a picture this morning of something in the natural that really relates spiritually to this perseverance. A very personal example that our family had. It was the Mount Katahdin climb. A few years ago, I think I had just turned 50, a few years ago, my uh, brother-in-law and his family, they climb Mount Katahdin every year, I think. And so, you want to climb? Sure, I can climb Mount Katahdin. I like doing that, whatever. I thought I did. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I didn't know Mount Katahdin like I know it now. (laughs) It's the first time for me to do anything to that capacity. So I kind of prepared ahead of time, you know, a few weeks, maybe a month before I went walking, and running, you know, prepare yourself, stamina, all that kind of stuff. Made sure that our backpacks had the right kind of food so that we would be nourished along the way and all that kind of stuff. I didn't fully know what it entailed or what it would take. So me and Brian and Austin and Noah and um, Micah and then Stephen and... My brother-in-law and a few others went, big, big group of us. So we climbed all the way up to Baxter's Peak, highest part, had a great lunch. You know, I packed the right things in the backpack, I was prepared in that way. I had climbed up the mountain, up to Baxter's Peak, with my backpack on, did it, you know, kind of by myself, it was good, and we felt on top of the world, as you could see uh, the next picture, that was part of the view. Felt like, ah, look, this is amazing. This is a walk of faith. Oh, I'm so glad I serve you, Jesus. You know, this is how spiritually we're like, yay. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can step out. And I was full of faith that I could do anything. And even though that was hard, it wasn't so bad. Like, really, it wasn't so bad. What's another few hours? Just going across the mountain now, and I'm going to go down the mountain. <laughs> what can be so bad? That was before I was literally on the trail called Knife Edge. (laughs) There is a trail called Knife Edge. And here is what it looks like. Part of what it looks like, okay. The next part, the next picture, that's my foot right there. Looking down, I don't know where that was. Could have been halfway through. Could have been the point when I was ready to die. I don't know. I was like, oh, what have I done? (laughs) I don't know. So, literally, I'm on this trail. It definitely was not what I had envisioned. Definitely not what, when I first started out. This walk of faith isn't always what you envision when you first, we envision things the way they're supposed to be. (laughs) Spiritually naturally, it doesn't work that way. Not because God's a mean God. It's because he has a panoramic view. He sees the big picture. We only see this part. So we think how it should work here. And he says, but if it works that way, then you will miss all of this. So characteristic of faith is perseverance in what he sees, not what you see. Knife-edge trail can be what life feels like many times, no matter what season of life you're in. I was looking for perseverance quotes, and this one came up. Perseverance is the hard work you do after you get tired of doing the hard work you already did. Newt Gingrich. (laughs) the hard work you do after you get tired of doing the hard work you already did. That was a real, real example of that for me. Not even halfway through, I was done with this climb. I was more, it was more than I thought I could handle because it wasn't a hike anymore. To me, it was extreme mountain climbing. And I actually got really mad a few times at the people who run this mountain and don't put signs saying, do not climb if you don't know how to extreme mountain climb. And why they didn't say, you know, all that. I mean, I was mad. I was like, why would anybody, why would anybody let someone like me climb this mountain? That is actually what I thought. I think I said it out loud a few times. Why? I was not full of hope and I was not full of faith at all. I have one minute left. Yeah. Uh, Perseverance looks like continuing on. What were my options? Stay on the mountain and let a helicopter come save me? I actually thought about it. I'm not kidding. I actually thought about it. I thought I could I could just say I can't do it. I mean, these guys could carry me maybe, but I actually thought about it. That would be costly though. But it's step after step, knowing there's a way out and off the mountain, I will make it in spite of my inabilities and in spite of my unqualifiedness. Perseverance is surrendering your urge to control the situation and letting it go. I couldn't control that and I had to trust Perseverance is asking for help. My brother-in-law, different ones throughout the time I think Stephen did, carried my backpack for me. Because by that time my backpack had come off. I couldn't do it anymore. They carried it. They kept telling me my my kids and Noah and Steven and all those, they were running back and forth, like way down the mountain, coming back. I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? But they were coming back. How can you do this? So they checked on me, told me I could do it. Um, they pulled me up and over, um, pushing me underneath, pulling me from above. I'm not kidding. And when I was paralyzed on the side of the mountain and I truly was paralyzed with fear, I faced things in myself that I didn't know I had. Spiritually, this is what happens on a walk of faith, but it's good. They let me walk on their back, literally. My son, Micah, there was this huge thing going down the mountain, and I just was so tired, I had nothing left. And he comes over, and he kneels down, and he says, walk on my back. So I walk across his back. (laughs) Literally, you ask perseverance, you ask for help. But even with the help, I had to, from somewhere deep inside, have the faith that I could move forward, that I could do what I set out to do, what I've been equipped to do, that many people have walked this before me, and they made it. I didn't see anybody laying there, or bones. (laughs) They made it, everybody, and there's lots of people who do it. Perseverance is a characteristic of faith. I'm almost done. No matter what you feel inside, you won't quit. And here's some of the things that you might feel inside. I don't even know what that means, but that's what I felt inside. I felt like, oh my God, what have I done? You can keep going. I, I felt happy sometimes, I did, because I'd come across the thing, I was like, hey, I did it, I made it, I made that spot, and then I'd look over across the next pile, and that's what I would do, oh, not kidding, walk of faith, this is the motions that you have, okay, you can know, go the next one, and then I felt like, I'm a ghost, everything out of me is gone, then I was happy again, because I made it to another spot, then I was like. Ha! What do I do now? I can't do this anymore. That's what I really felt like at the very end. Death has come. That walk of faith, though, it cost us. We had to pay for extra night at the hotel. We missed work the next day. My toes were so bruised, so bruised because of that walk, that awful, but two toenails fell off a month later from that journey. (laughs) Costly. Definitely took way longer than the allotted time, anxiety, but I did it. I actually did it. I was on top of the mountain. I actually did it. I climbed Mount Cantat. I went across knife edge. I did it. Perseverance helps you accomplish things that seem impossible. That's what we went across. Seems impossible, but perseverance helps you. I'm going to read these last two scriptures because perseverance isn't all about Being this great person of faith, it's a perseverance to know him in such a way that nothing, nothing from the outside, nothing from the inside can shake you, stop you, or shut up your faith in him. Your trust in him and in knowing his intense and immense love for you as his child because he's made his heart our home. We read it this morning, sang it this morning. He invested in us because he knows we're worth it. These two scriptures, Psalm 24, 27, four, one thing ever asked of the Lord that will I seek, inquire for and insistently require and persevere in that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life to behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness and delightful loveliness of the Lord. And to meditate, consider, and inquire in his temple. And Philippians 3.8. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. I'm persistent in knowing, recognizing, and understanding him more fully and more clearly. That's what faith is
2: so So, pastor tommy before jen comes pastor tommy made a great observation did you guys notice josiah wasn't there to help her off that mountain (laughs) by the way the favorite son is moving here in like three months
3: oh my goodness I, i mean we could just go home right now that was awesome Faith does not quit; it perseveres. I love it. So, faith perseveres; it doesn't quit; it doesn't give up. I want to talk about another aspect of faith, and that is trust. Dun dun dun! The big T word. I can see you squirming in your seats already. It's okay, relax. You know, uh, trust is not always as terrifying as we make it out to be, but trust can be scary. Um, but it doesn't have to be in Hebrews eleven six, six, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's scary right there. Like, Oh my goodness. If I don't have faith, I can't please God. But you know, I want you to know that God never requires something of us that he hasn't already provided for us. In Romans 12 verse three, it says that God has given to each a measure of faith. Can you guys say, I have faith? I have faith. All right. I like it. Um, so go ahead and breathe. God has given you a measure of faith, and so you can use that faith, and you can please him. Amen. All right. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus ta- is talking to the crowd, and he talks about their little faith. And he's ministering to them and talking to them, and he talks about how, you know, if you had faith, even the size of a mustard seed. Have you guys seen a mustard seed? You can, like, barely even see it. The thing's so small. I mean, he's, he's talking about, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move, and it would be gone. But then he was talking about their little faith. I mean, it must have been microscopic. You couldn't even see it, you know? Like, But he's like, if you have this faith, and he references mustard seed. It's so small. It's like the size of the end of an ink pen. It's crazy. But the thing about that is that faith, just like a seed, can grow. And uh, it's funny because I, I saw the other day this quote, And I don't even know if I knew I was speaking yet. But it says, um, faith can move mountains, but don't be surprised when God hands you a shovel. (laughs) The joy of partnering with God, right? It's not giving up. It's persevering. It's saying, really, God? Okay, here we go. You know, Um, sometimes it can feel that way. But the point is, is that faith can grow. No matter... If your faith is still that little measure that he gave you from the get-go, you know, or if you've grown in your faith, faith can grow. I don't know if there's an end to how large our faith can be. How can we grow our faith? How many of you work out? You see. Come on, I know you got those muscles. You want to show them. Let's see. How many of you work out? Okay. Um, Just like our physical bodies, how if we um, persevere and we put in the effort, and we put in the work, we can grow our muscles, right? So it's the same with our faith. It takes action. And so here are just some short ways that we can grow our faith. By hearing. In Romans ten seventeen, it says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So by hearing the Word of God, okay? Also by believing. What do we do when we hear the, hear the Word of God? Do we just ignore it, or do we believe it? Um, And that reference there is talking about when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that we will be saved. Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Well, if you believe what it says and you do that, then guess what? You are saved. Okay? So hearing the word of God, believing the word of God... And by praying in Jude, this is like one of my favorite scriptures, Jude verse 20. It talks about building yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fourth one that I have here is by acting. James 2.16, it says, faith without works is dead. There has to be work involved. There, there has to be action on our part. Faith can grow, but it has to be by choice. If we just have our faith and we just sit there, we never use it. What happens if you've been to the gym like for a year and then you say, eh, you know, twisted my ankle, I'm not going, whatever, and you don't go, what happens to your, all your muscles you've been working so hard on? They start to go away, right? So if we don't use our faith, then it can be small. It can start to shrink and fade away. So we get the choice to grow our faith or not. And I love it that, you know, when God gives us choice, I love that he didn't create us as robots just to do all the right things and say all the right things and do everything he wants us to, right? Sometimes we might be like, "Ah, today I wish I was that robot. So it would just happen. But he didn't do it that way. He gave us free will. And so he gave us choice, right? But I love God because whenever he gives us choice, it's almost like multiple choice. How many of you in school, you're like, yes, multiple choice choice test, right? It's like, hallelujah. <laughs> okay, I know. You're looking at it. Uh, and then God, so he gives us like multiple choice, right? But then he like gives us the answer. I like it in Deuteronomy um, chapter. Or chapter 30 verse 19 and 20 he's talking about like today I have set before you life and death between blessing and cursing now I call on heaven to witness the choice that you're going to make and he says but choose life <laughs> you know he sets there here's the multiple choice life death life death but choose life <laughs> you know he makes it really clear and he sets that before us okay and he again he doesn't require anything from us that he doesn't give us the ability to do right One of the biggest choices that we can make as a person of faith, and remember, you have faith. Can you say, I have faith. faith. God has given you faith. One of the biggest choices that we can make as a person of faith is to choose to trust. Okay. So, I want to look at the meaning of faith really quick. I think they have it up here. So, faith is the confidence or trust in a person or thing. We should trust God. But there's many other things that we trust, too. Like, how many of you are sitting down in a chair right now? Oh, I'm not. <laughs> you guys are. Okay. But how many of you, when you came in today, like, took your chair and were like, <laughs> you know, it out, make sure it's going to hold you up? Anybody? I didn't see anybody do that. You just came in and you sat down. Why? Because you trusted that it was going to hold you up. That's how easy trust can be. Okay, we use trust all the time, whether we realize it or not. The other thing is that faith is a belief that is not based on proof. This is so key because in 2 Corinthians 5-7, it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. So it's trusting even when we can't see. And lastly, the action and the verb of faith is to trust. That's the action. That's the verb of faith is trust. So it's an action. So with that in mind, let's take a look back at James chapter 2, verse 16. It says, faith without works is dead. That word works right there, that's the action, that's the verb. Okay, so faith without an action or faith without trust is dead. And we don't want dead faith. We need an alive, active, strong, continually growing faith. And we do that through trust. How many of you did, and I don't even know if I'm going to call it the right thing, acronyms in school? (laughs) Those just pop up to me sometimes. And so I have one for faith. Faith is the full assurance in trusting him. We can trust God. We can have full assurance in trusting him. The assurance is the confidence and the boldness knowing that he is going to be who he says that he is, right? If he says it in his word, that settles it. You know, if you question it, is it in here? Is it written? If it's written, that settles it, you know. Believe it. Pray it. Act it. Full assurance in trusting him. And when we trust in God, we can relax knowing that he has everything under control. I think a lot of times we want to well, I don't know if we really feel like we want to trust ourselves, but that's what we end up doing a lot of times because we have all these cares and all these things that we're holding on to and doing and whatever, and we end up trusting in ourselves to handle those things if we're not paying attention. But what does that do? It gets us in a spot of frustration. We get overwhelmed, you know, but a lot of times we feel like, well, I'm the only one that cares enough to handle it, you know. But God cares, and how much more does he care? You know, we, we care with our little heart that's just a piece of his heart. So how much more does he care? How much more does he pay attention and see and know all the details that we feel like we're seeing but we're missing? But he is more than able. So when we trust him, if we truly trust him, then we can relax because then we're like, okay, God's got this. Like in my own strength, if I wanted to, even with my best of my ability, this is probably the best that I could do. But God, right? He's even bigger. He can go beyond everything that we could do in the natural. And so we can rest and relax knowing that he's got it. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, life verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean in your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Acknowledge him. Sometimes that's all it takes is to just acknowledge him and then just say, okay, okay, yeah, you're bigger than me. You're the great I AM. Okay. I'm not going to trust myself in this situation. I've I've gone down that road plenty of times. I've proven that I can't handle that. But so I'm going to acknowledge who you are, God, and I'm going to trust you. How can we trust God? It's kind of the same as growing our faith. It's it's taking his word, believing his word, taking him at his word and trusting that it's true. Um, some of those are like Philippians 4 6 7. It says, Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Him. First Peter 5:7, cast your cares on him, because he cares for you. Proverbs 16:3, commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. How can we trust God? We can trust God by seeing His Word, reading His Word, hearing His Word, believing His Word, and then resting in that Word, right? Rest believing that He's actually gonna make our paths straight, that He's gonna give us the wisdom that we need, and that He's gonna establish our ways. So, what are your requests this morning? What's your worries? What are your doubts, the cares that you're carrying? The tasks or the to-do lists that are weighing over, weighing over you. What are your dreams? What are your desires? What are all those things? Because God's saying, come on, just bring them to me. Trust me with them. I'm going to work it all out. Okay. I want us to take a look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. So this is 1 Kings 17. Elijah, right before where we're going to be reading, Elijah declared that there was going to be a famine in the land yippee, no rain, drought, disaster, get ready, here it's coming. So he was there and he's like, there's going to be a drought. And God, I love this because in verse, it's not up there, but um, in verse three and four, God tells Elijah, go over to this brook. I'm going to provide for you there. So God sent Elijah to this brook. And it says that the ravens came and brought him meat. I don't know if the ravens came with their fish in their claw or if they just flew over and laid there, you know, like, eat me. But God provided for Elijah right there at the brook, um, brought meat to him, and he had the water from the brook until the brook ran dry. So it was well into the famine, no more water in the brook, right? So here we go, um, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. So God wanted him to dwell there. He wanted him to stay a while. He's like, I provided for you by this brook, but now it's time to move on over here, and I'm going to provide for you there. He says, See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went there. (laughs) Zarephath. I don't know how to say it. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, "Please bring me a little cup of water. Bring me a little water in a cup that I might drink." So she did that, got him some water, and then he said, "Um, "Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand." So she said, "As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread." only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar and see I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. Where was her faith at? (laughs) She had faith, right? We all have faith, but where are we putting our faith? Maybe she started out with great faith. Um, her and her son, famine coming to the land. She was probably like watching her groceries dwindle down. Like, God, what are we going to do? Like, where are we going to get food? What am I going to do? Like, where am I going to find work? She's just probably like, God, how are you going to provide, you know? This is all we have. But whether, wherever she started at, and some of you might be there right now, you're like, God, God. I'm looking with my eyes and I'm seeing what's going around me and I don't like what's going to happen. Like, I don't have the answers. Yeah. This, this is what's going to happen with our own understanding. We figure it out. Right. She's like, last meal, we'll make it a good one. And then see you later. Peace out. We're going to die. And see, it doesn't tell us if like God had, God told Elijah that he had already told the widow that she was going to provide for him but she didn't seem like she was like, oh, God gave me the word from the Lord, and I'm going to provide for you. Like, I don't see any food, but, you know, <laughs> we're going to make this work. She was like, okay, here's some water. But then when it came to the food, she was like, sorry, like, we're out, you know. This is it. So Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. <laughs> but, but, I love that word right there. Somebody say, but God. God. he said but make me a small cake first and bring it to me and afterwards make some for yourself and then for your son for thus saith the Lord God of Israel the bin of flour shall not be used up nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on earth what did she do (laughs) remember earlier in the verse God had said that he had commanded the widow to provide for him But how was she going to do this when she had nothing? But remember, God doesn't ever ask something of us that he hasn't already have a plan to supply for. He had a plan if only she would trust. So Elijah's like, don't fear. God's got a plan. But she still had a choice to make right there. If she was going to trust the faith she had in that this is all we have left, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Or... Now she could choose to have faith and trust what God is saying. That if you give this, then I'll supply. So she had a choice to make. (laughs) And I love it. She made the right choice. Verse 15. So she went away and did. Somebody say did. That's the action right there. That's the trust in action. She did according to the word of Elijah and she and... He and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which had been spoken by Elijah. Somebody say, but God. See, God always has a plan. Even when we can't see. But the faith don't live by sight. We don't live by what we can see but we live in trust in our God because our God is a big God and he's a great God. And he has a plan even when we don't even know we need a plan. <laughs> and so he's already gone before us. He's already made a way. And so all he asks of us is to trust, to trust, to take action. When sometimes faith and trust in God can look like setting and doing nothing and waiting on him. But other times it takes action. It takes the perseverance. It takes doing the mundane. It takes getting up and doing it whether you want to or not. It takes some tenacity to trust God, even when we can't see. Because most of the times we can't see. The times that we do get to see, it's like, woo, jackpot. (laughs) Okay, I can trust you. Yeah. Look at that. There's a bridge right there. (laughs) And when he's like, step out and there's nothing there, you're like, Are you sure, Lord? (laughs) Are you sure? Knife's edge, are you sure? (laughs) Um, uh, God doesn't want us to see our something as just something, but as an opportunity to see him move on our behalf. He wants to prove himself to us. So, what is your something? What is your something? It's an opportunity if you'll just say, God, I trust you. I trust you. So, will you trust him this morning? Will you trust him with your circumstance? Will you trust him with your family? Will you trust him with your heart? Will you trust him with your something? You have the ability to do so because he gave you faith. Say, I have faith. I want you to know you have faith. And whether you have little faith or faith the size of a mustard seed, you have faith. And if you will begin to use it and you will begin to say, okay, God, this is not much. It's just my little something. It's just my little something of faith. But I'm going to trust you. And if you begin to step out in faith and in trust and say, okay, God, well, right here in your word, you said that you would provide Right here in your word, you said that I could have peace. Right here in your word, you said that I could have joy and walk in love. And if we'll begin to just step out and trust him, whatever it is, then that faith is going to grow. And he's going to meet you right where you're at. And you're going to be like, whoa, you really did it, God. (laughs) You really did it. And every time that he really does it, your faith is like, whoop, whoop it just keeps growing and growing and but then when it's those hard times even if your faith has grown and it's pretty big and you're like oh yeah i got this trust thing down get ready <laughs> it ain't over <gasps> uh-huh. just when you think okay god yeah i'm trusting you then he's like he's like you got to trust me some more all right so what is your something don't just look at it as something but look at it as an opportunity to say, God, I trust you, and watch him move on your behalf. Amen? All right. Give it up for Miss Vicki.
1: I love being part of a church that honors women and really is willing to, to listen to their hearts here as well as the hearts of men. Um, And I know that Tanja was going to speak this morning. I found out that part of her topic was surrender. So you can hear my voice shaking. Um, I think it's only appropriate that I'm going to close, and I'll be brief, but um, really with a testimony of surrender. Um, Twenty-six years ago this weekend... I was in the hospital in Georgia having surgery, um, having found out that I had uterine cancer. And that you know Mother's Day weekend pretty much sealed the deal that I was not going to be a mother. So even, even in beautiful honoring services like this, where there's a call to have all mothers stand up and be honored, um, I never know whether I should stand up or not. I have a stepson, um, as we have a blended family, but um, I just still feel really awkward. Some of you may, may have that same kind of experience at times. But um, the, the thing that really stood out to me, you know, as far as surrender goes, is that we can come up with all kinds of ways to think, I will be happy if... I will be successful if. I'll be significant if. And we can come up with lots of great things. But I, I, you know, I do this often in my coaching that if your if is beyond your ability and right to control, basically you're giving your power away to something that may or may not actually ever happen. And so there's just a beauty in really surrendering to the Lord and um, doing what's up to you. Some of you know me and you hear me say this a lot. You know, what is up to me? So when, you know, just coming back from um, some time with Youth with a Mission in Cape Town, one of the master's candidates talked about, you know, we hear a lot of the father heart of God we don't hear very much about the mother heart of god but the very characteristics that motherhood exemplifies would would come from his heart as well and so what is up to me is to be able to do the very best god would allow me to in encouraging you in being gentle and kind, even when I may not feel like it on that particular day, whatever the nurturing characteristics are that you feel called to in your normal, everyday walking around life, that's up to you. No one can block that goal. And so I just I want to encourage you today that there may be things that you thought you would be happy if, or successful if, or significant if, that just haven't panned out that doesn't mean that you have to be insignificant or unsuccessful or unhappy. As I'm here, here to say that it really is a beautiful thing to surrender the out, do the best you can, and then surrender the outcome to the Lord and and trust that He's going to redeem those things. He really is. So I just... Thank you for an opportunity. I had made a, a couple notes since Pastor Quinton told me a few minutes ago that I had a chance to speak, and I have no idea if I said what I had intended to or not. <laughs> but um, I will trust this, that God could use it in your life to encourage you to be the nurturer of those around you in your very own family. Sometimes it happens in such a simple every day walking around way. I loved my mom and I miss her. And I thank God for her. Um, Her life was a simple life. She cared for the people right around her in her tiny little town. She didn't have a ton of money but she really made a difference. And so there's really nothing too small or too big. For, for you to do to live out those very characteristics that Leah and Jen spoke of earlier. So wherever you are, whoever you are, I would like to just close our service with prayer right now, that God would bring these words to life for you in a very personal way. So if you'll join me, please. So, Father, I thank you that... You are such an amazing God that we are free to choose to put our trust in you, that we're free to choose to persevere, to operate in the level of gentleness and kindness and love, the bottom line love that you call us to, and that it's a safe thing to surrender the outcome to you, Lord. Oh, we thank you. We thank you for the spirit of motherhood, and I pray that each of us would honor it in our own way today.